The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, good afternoon. It's Monday. It's a new week. Lots of new things to discuss. We'll recap what happened over the weekend. We'll also talk about what's on tap tonight. It's Eric Franson, Andre Salveson. It's the Full Court Press. It's the NBA Awards show going on tonight. Do you recall who did what during the regular season and who might receive an award for what they did? Seems like that was forever ago, even though the NBA has definitely been a, a top discussion for uh, a lot of different things going on between the draft and free agency and the championship. But it's the award show tonight, so we'll recap. Uh, well, we'll talk about what, who we think will get different awards and, and why. And uh, we'll also look at our pick six for the weekend, the six things we thought might happen, uh, who got it right, who got it wrong. And the interesting news in college basketball and college football, UConn making a decision that could have rippling effects that could reach all the way to the Wasatch Front. We'll discuss that as well. Ajay, how are you? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. How was yours? Uh, it was good. Cold, but it was good. Was it? Where were you? Uh, around here. I guess it was. I mean, I was in Bear Lake, but I'm trying to think if it, I guess there was rain a little bit. It was cool. I mean, the other day I was going to do just a little run up the canyon, do a little fire, cook some hot dogs with my boys. Uh, we bagged that idea and had to make a run to Maverick to get some hot chocolate. <laughs> you didn't get yourself like a cheddar worse there, <laughs> I though? look at my you watch. Well look at the hot dogs? What day, what day is this? Oh, yes, it's the first official day of summer, and I'm going on a hot chocolate <laughs> run. Is, isn't the spring just been nuts, right? Spring into summer? Like, that's the complaint that when everybody comes to Utah, it's beautiful, right? Colin Cower posted a photo, I think, like, last week, how beautiful it is because it's so green. I'm like, Colin, that's not good, dude. That means it's been a really, really wet spring, and it's been a it's been a cold summer so far. We're already into the middle of June, and we're still freezing our you know our ends off. So yeah, but you know what? When it gets to the Fourth of July, when everybody wants to do stuff outside, hopefully it means it's not going to be scorching hot. I love when it's scorching hot, though. I love it. honestly. I love the heat. Is that I can't because of your heritage. Yes, <laughs> yes, actually, it is. Yes, I love things spicy and really hot. <laughs> Hey, a uh, big night tonight. Uh, not only do you have the NBA awards that are going to be going on tonight, the MVP, Coach of the Year, uh, Rudy Gobert, obviously in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, but you also have the College World Series Championship, Michigan, Vanderbilt. Michigan hasn't been there since 1962. Vanderbilt hasn't been there since 2012, I believe. Uh, so, I mean, that's going to be a really juicy matchup. The One of the best hitting lineups, one through nine in the country, in Vanderbilt versus one of the best pitching staffs in the Cinderella of the College World Series uh, in Michigan. I can't wait for that. By the way, did you really, I know we got stuff to talk about, but did you hear about the whole Louisville-Vanderbilt game? Did you see that on TV? The Luke Smith kid? Uh, no, I didn't see so that So Luke Smith, by the way, he looks like a shining adult-style version of Squints from the Sandlot. He looks just like him. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so Luke Smith, the Louisville pitcher of the eight, I mean, just had a phenomenal night. Ten strikeouts. He had only at the time given up one earned run all night long when he gets to the top of the eighth. He then strikes out the side. I mean, just throwing dimes, change-ups, or just falling in the dirt, dropping off a cliff, uh, and Vanderbilt is just whiffing at him. And Luke has been talking some of the night, well, most of the night, Gets to the top of the eight, strikes out the side as the batter's walking off without oh, even saying I anything to him. You see, and ESPN, of course, ESPN just closes in on him and he's dropping expletives towards Vanderbilt, not just the player, but when you're talking to the player, you're also talking to the whole entire dugout. The, yeah, the whole dugout. Well, guess what? Top of the night's coming up, and guess who's up? Game's not over. One, two, and three in the lineup, and your top two are the two best hitters in the country. So Luke Smith goes and starts jawing at him. He comes back into the ninth, already throwing 106 pitches. This is the fourth time that Vanderbilt's seen him. Now, if you just shut up and get out and get off and into the dugout, Vanderbilt has no momentum. They're devastated. They're frustrated. They're confused. 
you woke up a beast though when you're running your mouth. So then Vanderbilt comes up. First guy grounds out hard to shortstop. Second guy hits a double. Third guy walks. Uh, fourth guy, I mean, one way or another, they say, well, hits a double, and then the guy scores. Ties the game up. All of Vanderbilt's dugout comes out onto, like, the, what would you call it, baseline, I guess, if you will, of the field, and are just yelling at Luke. Rightfully so. Umpire goes over, tells him to shut up, get back in the dugout. Vanderbilt doesn't care at this point. You woke up a beast. Going to extra innings, Vanderbilt wins it, game over. Vanderbilt goes to the net, cultural series championship. So here's my thing. I've always been of the proportion of even if you're having a great game, shut up and get off. Like, I mean, if you want to scream or pump your fist, yeah, sure, show some emotion. I love it. But don't... if you're up by seven, you, maybe you could do that. Sure. But it's still a close game, and it's not over. Well, and not only that, look, I mean, well, even in a close game, I, I, I will allow it. You know, you want to pump your fist, and yeah, all right, sure. Don't talk to the other team, especially when the other team has their top of the order coming up to bat in the ninth, and you've thrown over 100 pitches. I mean, just be quiet. Just don't say, you don't need to. If you want to, like I said, I've already said it. If you want to cheer, sure. If you want to clap and, you know, slam your hand into your glove, sure. If you want to give your catcher a high five, absolutely. But don't say anything to the other dugout. Just don't. Get off the field. And you know what? The batter didn't even say anything to him. He was walking off. And then he, your pitcher just stares at him. He just throws some words at him. He was and compelled then, to talk dude, trash. it just... <laughs> And I know everyone's all like, well, then you're a softie. Look, no, I'm not. I, like I said, cheer, get excited, pump up, absolutely. Just shut up from when it comes to talking to the other team. You don't need to. It's totally unnecessary. And when I, when I saw that happen, I thought, holy, you know what? Venable's going to win this game. They're going to win this game. And, and, and I don't know why they didn't bring their closer out sooner. They, they, they brought back the starter. He was already, I mean, over 100 pitches coming into the ninth. Vanderbilt's already seen him four times through. There, I mean, the, the Vanderbilt, excuse me, the Louisville manager cost the team the game, but Luke Smith running his mouth did not in any way help it. So there's my pedestal. I'll step off, but man, <laughs> no, no, it just was, annoys me. Right, well, it provided some drama and intrigue in an otherwise... It did. Game that probably many people would have forgotten it was on. But it was, but yeah, uh, it, it's an interesting lesson about when to when to celebrate, when to talk trash, and yep. when to hold your tongue. Anyways, Vanderbilt, Michigan tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Can't wait for that series to get going for the championship. It's a three-game series, best of three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Eric, I mean, where do we start, man? UConn comes out and just throws out a grenade, uh, and, when, and it pretty much just blows up on... The AAC, if you will. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, there's news today that the University of Connecticut has announced that it is going to leave the American Athletic Conference, also known as the AAC, and uh, go to the Big East. Now, UConn was a staple with the Big East for many, many, many years. And then a lot of those, the Big East really kind of folded in football. It no longer exists. And... Uh, a lot of schools that were part of the Big East and some schools part of other conferences kind of consolidated to create what is now known as the Big East in basketball. It's a really good basketball conference. Um, it includes schools like Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Seton Hall's in there, St. John's, Villanova, Xavier, and uh, and Providence are the other ones. So it's a good basketball conference. When did so? Wait, why did they boot U- UConn out? Do you know why? Why UConn did didn't happen? get booted out? UConn decided to they want football was still important to them, and the Big East was no longer going to support football, so they opted to go to the American Athletic Conference. That's such a weird choice. Which but- in is kind of a shell of what used to be known as the Big East for football. So in the AAC, those are schools like Cincinnati, East Carolina, Houston, Memphis, Navy, SMU, South Florida, Temple, Tulane, and uh, Tulsa, and UCF, in addition to UConn. But UConn has now said, look, we 
basketball is the thing for us. We're a basketball <laughs> we go school. Back. You know what? That was our bad. Yeah, we're a basketball <laughs> school, and we just want to go to the Big East. It's less travel. There's more tradition there, and uh, that's where we want to be. So it presents a real problem, though, because football needs a home. And they're, so they're trying to figure out what to do with UConn's football program. Also, uh, if, if UConn doesn't stay as a football-only member in the AAC, which may or may not happen, more likely not happen, then the AAC is faced with, well, we're an 11-school league. Do, where do we look to find a 12th school? Do we add a number, uh, another school to fill that void? And so it's had a lot of people looking at two schools in particular that seem to be at the top of the list. One of those is Army. Uh, it, it's, Army already plays Navy a lot. Um, they've, they've had some football success through the last several years. Uh, however, they have been pretty irrelevant for the 20 years before that. So it has some people concerned about their longevity of being a good program. But they're good right now. And there's a regional thing that does make some sense. The other school that's being talked about a lot is BYU. The Big East made a play to try to get BYU uh, before it became the AAC. And now they're trying to stoke those conversations up again to see if BYU has had its fill of being an independent and wants to join a conference that's a a pretty good conference in football and basketball. So is Boise State still in this conversation or is that completely off the radar now and no longer existing? Do you know? So I think that's a fair question. They haven't discussed... Um, any schools that are currently in other conferences. Okay. So they it's just focus mostly huh? on independence. Okay. That's the, I think the easiest marriage to make. Sure. Absolutely. Because there's no divorce that needs to take place. So, and, and, and I say this with all due respect to any Cougar fans who are listening at this point in time, uh, you don't belong in the Big East. You Or sorry, the, the AAC, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, Army does. Geographically, it fits better than you be in there. Um, and this, this egotistical brain that the, this Cougar class has going from the president to the athletic director to the coaches is we're too good for you. If you're too good for the Mountain West, you're too good for the AAC. And if you go to the AAC, um, it, you're almost hypocritical. I, I, I really think that, Eric. You know what? You want to blow off the Mountain West, which has been dying to have you in it, willing to work with you in whatever way in regards to TV deals and yada, yada, yada. But you turn them down because you think that you're better than that. You don't belong in a conference right now, buddy. Half, half of BYU's regular football season is a Mountain West team. It's a Mountain West team. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely is. Um, and I mean, would it be? I mean, it'd be great for their basketball team. It'd be a challenge. Houston, as you talked about, uh, Cre- uh, not Creighton, excuse me, Memphis, Cincinnati. Cincinnati would be a great challenge for you. Mm-hmm. But again, you feel like you're too good for it. Here's uh, going to the report. This was first reported on uh, WatchStadium.com from Brett McMurphy, uh, a reliable source, a yeah. good reporter. Um, he says. Uh, as far as BYU, the Cougars were nearly AAC members several years ago, but the sides couldn't reach an agreement. And there's a source, in quotations, that says, we were very close with BYU years before the last television deal, but they had too many demands and wanted to be treated differently on TV rights than other members. They're going to want the same thing. That's not going to change. And here's what Brett Murphy says. In other words, BYU wanted more TV revenue than the other league members. Yeah, that would set them off. But here's the thing: if BYU is a, diff- a different institution, it is a different animal. Though it's it's as close to a service academy as anything else. Um, but the thing that's different with BYU is that they have BYU TV, and I think that's where a lot of this comes down to: is they want to be able to rebroadcast those games. They want re retransmission rights, uh, so they can go off and look. Here was our game on whatever channel it was on, and then we're going to do it again. On our channel, or we want to be able to do our own broadcast of the same game, and so we can go out and, and sell it independently. And so that's been a real sticking point with some of these other conferences because BYU feels like, hey, we are a different animal, and we need to be treated differently. While everybody else in the conference is like, well, we're not treated any differently. What makes you so special? And that's what makes it tough. Uh, for BYU in the conference discussion. It's always been that way. Even when they didn't have BYU TV, they always tried to make things different and difficult compared to their other 
league and institution members. Uh, but here's they're still going to try to go after BYU. The, this source continues to say that BYU does provide a potential late-night TV window and weeknight games and a national brand. But BYU currently has its own deal with ESPN, and until that gets canceled or renewed at a much lower level, why would BYU do anything different than what they're doing? Yeah, that's... They get to write their own check. They don't have to share that revenue with anybody else. Yeah. They get to make their own schedule. Well, and the other thing is, if they do get that you know, offer into the AAC with the same high demands and they get those demands, Houston's going to be pretty ticked off. They might lose that conference because those teams are going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That team from the Wasatch comes up here and can run our conference just because they have the shinier or they're the shiny new toy. They're going to be livid. Well, that, that's and rightfully been a, so. That's been a criticism of BYU in the past. When they were in the WAC, when they were in the Mountain West, is that they wanted to do things differently, and they basically wanted to run the show. And they would, they would arrogantly refuse to recognize that there were seven other schools or six other schools or however many other schools that were part of the conference with them, and they wanted to be, they wanted to act like they were their own thing and not play by the same rules as everybody else. So it, it becomes problematic whichever way they go if they want to be in a conference. Now, that being said, I think in the long term, it makes more sense for BYU to be in a conference than not in a conference. You you play for something when you're in a conference. Yeah. When you're an independent, what do you play for? Yeah, because if you lose... And they'll say, oh, well, we play for pride. You know, we play for ourselves. Okay, every that's school cute. does that. that. Every school does that. That's really adorable because guess what? It's getting Kalani Sitaki one losing record away from being canned. Right. He's that close There's now. zero chance for a second season. There's zero exactly. chance for... You lose. I mean, because look, when you're independent... Conference recognition. Notre Dame doesn't go out there and be like, oh, you know, we play for pride. We play for our heritage and our history and our school. No, they don't. They know if they lose one game, there goes their national championship hopes. They realize what's at stake. They still schedule big, but they realize what's at stake. And the same thing goes for Army. Now, Army does, I mean, they do have that pride thing. I mean, of course, it's a, you know, a military school. The big Navy-Army game, one of the greatest games to be played in college football. But, yeah, BYU, you're not playing for pride. Be quiet. Um, I'll tell you who this does benefit and who's really thrilled about this decision. The women's basketball teams in the conference. Because having UConn women in there who went 162 and 0 over their time in the AAC, and uh, they're only, I guess they had, what was it? If I look this up right, um, I got to make sure I read the stats right because these are nuts. Let's see, just, let's see. So they went 120 and 0 against league foes over six years. In that time, just one game, this is by courtesy ESPN Stats and Info, uh, one game came down to a single possession. That was in 2017, a 63-60 win over Tulane. The past season, the Huskies averaged 82 points per game in their 16-0 conference slate and were winning games by an average of 32 points per game. Unreal. So everybody in that conference is that the women's basketball affiliated with it is thrilled right now because now you're not playing for second place. You're playing for a conference championship. Yeah, well... Gino Oriema, great coach. Uh, I think it, the level of competition for him. I don't. I can't say that I know what the the Big East women's basketball landscape. Looks no, I like, don't either. But um, those are good basketball schools. They love their basketball. Sure, in those schools die in hard. Big East. And it, and it'll it'll be great for the men's program too because then they get the historic rivalries: Georgetown, Villanova, Saint John's. I mean, back in ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Dude, you love those. Oh, oh my gosh. We ate that Those up. conference tournaments. Allen were Iverson versus incredible. Ray Allen at Madison Square Garden was one of the most delicious conference finals I've ever seen. Kemba Walker um, He took Pitt over a conference tournament by, by himself. himself. And then ran the NCAA tournament by yes. himself. And we just, we, I mean, the rivalries in basketball is such a big thing. Are you listening, BYU-Utah? Um, but it's such a big thing for college sports. That's It's such a major major decoration to college sports is a rivalry and the aspect of it and building it into a conference. Um, and 
this is this would be a great move for UConn. Hopefully their football program can figure it out because they're getting no love from the AAC about leaving. So uh, the interesting point about this article from Brett McMurphy is that as he's reaching out to people at UConn, uh, what, what about the football situation? And Because um, a lot of this discussion is about basketball. But this source said, look, the, the people here, uh, they don't really care. Uh, and they won't care. Uh, they, they won't pay any attention if it's Cincinnati in town or Western Michigan in town playing football. Uh, if the football team is successful in winning games, they might turn out, but it's not. they're not going to pay that close attention to who the opponent is or care who the opponent is. So if you were a, a diehard football fanatic, if you were somebody in that athletic department that was trying to sell tickets to football, to hear that, that's got to be really discouraging. But of course... They've been living this for quite some time, so they know it. This isn't a surprise to them. But for some people that were sold on the idea if for fundraising campaigns or whatnot to invest in the future, make things better for UConn football, uh, you, you just got slapped in the face. Because there's a chance that this UConn football team will go independent, which will be really, really hard to do. They've been there before, and it was a struggle. Or they may drop a, a classification, which is a very real possibility. So... Uh, the ever-changing landscape of college athletics. And when these new TV deals come up for renewal very soon, uh, this could just be the tip of the iceberg and all the changes that start to take place. Yeah. Uh, and what is, I mean, what will this set off when UConn does go to the Big East? And if, if, if another team does leave, and if it's not an independent team, if another team decides to say, you know what, we'll leave our conference, go to yours. And if, if that will if that will create any kind of chaos, some dominoes will fall from other places. But um, again, good for UConn's basketball program, both men's and women's. For football, you're in limbo, got to find something. Probably would go independent, even though you lose a ton of money. But like you already said, the source says, look, we don't care. We really don't <laughs> care. Don't care. Bring Florida State, and we're still not going to get that many people here to watch you. And last thing, uh, you'd mentioned you know, what's the possibility of maybe BY or Boise State uh, entertaining that possibility. And San Diego State also was in those discussions, if you remember, several years ago. But back then, the Big East was an automatic qualifier. Uh, so they were automatically into the uh, BCS landscape. They were, if you could win that conference, if you could succeed in that conference, it automatically meant millions and millions of dollars coming to your school. That is no longer the case. The AAC is just like the Mountain West. It's the group of five. Uh, it's no different, uh, at least as far as access. Um does it have some interesting tie-ins? Does it have some better schools? Uh, maybe you can make some arguments. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit, uh, there's maybe a little more heritage there with some of them, but not all of those schools. And I think you've got uh, some interesting cases you can make for the Mountain West as well. But uh, I, I think if you're a school like Boise State, who kind of has a unique deal with its TV situation as well in the Mountain West, why change? It seems like a lateral move at best, uh, if if not a slight step down. So if you're anybody in the Mountain West, I don't know that you would take a, a serious consideration as to moving over to the American Athletic Conference and really making that much sense. I would agree. Absolutely. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, let's update our pick six for the, the weekend. Oh, man. It's a, a, a quick and easy way to recap what happened this past week, as, as well as... Um, looking at uh, one thing that's on tap tonight because there was a bit of a mistake on looking ahead. For I what meant to was do that. On the weekend itself. I meant to do that. And then it's the NBA awards show tonight. Uh, actually, the season's been over for two months. No. What? Uh, practically. What? The basketball season? Yeah, the NBA basketball season has been, regular season has been over for two months. And we're just now going to do the awards ceremony. It hasn't been over for two months, has it? Yeah, April. No. What? Middle of April. Oh, the regular season. Yeah, regular oh, season. Oh, I thought you were asking like, okay. Yeah, regular season been over for a while, sure. So we'll get into what happened during the regular season and who may receive some of the awards uh, that could be handed out tonight. Any jazz players? Yes, there are actually 
several. So we'll update you on that and preview what's on, on, the, on the schedule tonight for the NBA Awards. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Every team just elevates. You know, there's more pressure and more nerves in the knockout rounds. But uh, I think we steadied ourselves halfway through the second half there and, and uh, were able to obviously get two fortunate calls uh, and put them away. U.S. Women's National Team coming out on top over Spain. Rapino with uh, two penalty kicks to uh, to give the to get the win for Team USA. Spain pretty physical today. Oh, well, a little bit too physical. And, and surprised more penalties were not called. See, and that's the thing is is people are going to say, well, the the second penalty kick, you know, or I guess the second penalty. That resulted in a free kick for, for Team USA. Uh, that was too soft. But you know what? I think that's based on the refs seeing how physical they were and how much they were getting away with and saying, all right, I mean, that's it. And, and it really is. like, it, I mean, Alex Morgan was on the ground at least a dozen times in the first half. And it wasn't flopping. This isn't men's soccer. She was getting shoved hard, pushed, tripped. Nothing called. They got one yellow card, Eric. One. Um, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. The next round's going to be really That's interesting. That's exactly where I was going. You got away with one. Because really, Spain beat you in every category on the field today. And because of two penalty kicks, you escaped. And now you got to go play France, who are hosting this. And so you're pretty much playing in their backyard. This is, and, and, and the crazy thing is, and by the way, this could be a good list item here. This could be one of the best teams in America to not win a championship. This United States team. This U.S. Women's National Team? Yes. They could lose easily on, was it Thursday, right? They played Thursday against France. Or was it Friday? God, I mean, gosh darn it. Um... I can't find it. Anyways, they got France in France's backyard. Uh, I would. <laughs> yeah, but look, they're, the way that they're playing, they're playing solid as a team. Uh, I think they've got a lot of confidence and swagger. They're going to need it going up against France. Uh, but for me, the biggest, bigger question is, are people following this? Are people paying attention? Oh, sure. Um, in addition to that, the U.S. men's team doing very well. Uh, they were a hot mess for quite a while there. And they've made some changes uh, to their their front office, uh, how they manage their uh, the, the teams put together, uh, the coaches. And they're on a roll right now. Granted, they're in a the less competitive side of the bracket right now in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, but they're looking pretty good too. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Both, both men and women scoring a ton of goals and not allowing hardly anything through the net. Uh, Yeah, but the problem is is that the U.S. women's is for the World Cup. This is this is for the big one. And uh, they just they couldn't score offensively. They couldn't get anything going offensively. They did have a couple of good looks in the first half, obviously couldn't punch them in. They had that good corner kick uh, from the left side in the second half. Nearly hit that one, couldn't get it in. Um, but, I mean, Spain was on USU's f- side of the field a lot of the second half with with a really relentless attack. And, again, if it wasn't for being way too over-physical, they're probably on the winning side of this match. And And for United States, like I said, this is one of the most talented teams they've had. And some are saying ever. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the 99 World Cup team that won that shootout versus uh, China was incredibly, incredibly good. But uh, this might be well, up They there. captured America's attention through oh, that run. Oh, that was incredible. Uh, I mean, you, Mia Hamm, right. Wambach, and then the goalie, Brian, I can't remember her name, Brian something. People wanted to make sure that they watched those games yeah. and, and follow along. Uh, are, are, are we in the same 
category now. I, I don't. Yo. I don't know. I, I I know. I'm with you. The, the reason I say that is because you, uh, you see some of these games that are being played, and there's tons of empty seats. So, I think they're getting there. Uh, I think they're getting people's attention. Uh, I think if they can get past France, which will be a great challenge. That's a huge challenge. Then people should be talking about the U.S. women's national team. Um, I like... uh, Remember the argument of the 92 Dream Team versus the 08 Redeem Team? I mean, that had LeBron, Darren Williams, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I mean, that team was loaded, too, and there was that argument. I feel like we're heading in the direction with this team and that 99 team in, in women's soccer. This team is really talented and led by Alex Morgan. Uh, but that other squad, like we said, Mia Hamm, Ambi Wambach, uh, who is there's a I can't. Uh, who's the girl who scored the game-winning shootout penalty oh, kick? Brandy Chastain. Yeah. I mean, they had some great veteran leadership on that team. And uh, I, I think this team's a little young for that. I mean, Alex Morgan, I think, is a big part of it. And then regards to leadership. But I think they're still a little bit young. But I'll t- like we've already talked about, <laughs> going playing France in France's backyard for a chance, the World Cup semifinal is going to be one of their greatest tests they've ever had in their soccer careers. All right, you're in the knockout round now. So uh, what they were doing before in pool play, having fun, scoring goals, celebrating every goal like they just won the championship, and that's all fun in, in games, but now it's serious. I mean, it's it's real. Uh, you, you don't get your stuff together. It's not that you just have a little bit lower bracket placement. You're, you're going home. Yeah, So exactly. Uh, and if there's anything about this team that maybe – doesn't make it stand to the level as that team you've discussed back in 99 is that this is a team with players that have been critical of, Hey, we demand higher pay. Uh, we demand more attention. Um, we're not going to sing the national anthem because it's a big F you to Donald Trump. I mean, these are all things that they have said recently and that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And so not saying that's the reason maybe not everybody's, Dialed into what uh, this team is doing, some pretty interesting things, but uh, it doesn't help. What do you think? I mean, give me your personal opinion on that. I, I I would really, I don't mean to get into like for the people topics here, but I mean, I mean, really, there is a lot of people who are uh, frustrated with Team USA having a chance to be, I mean, to represent your country. John Stockton, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird have all participated and all but one won an NBA championship. They all said that was the greatest honor of their life to go represent the country and go win a gold medal. 2019, and you have women, I mean, I gotta rephrase that, you have athletes who are representing our country, going out into the world to participate in a sporting event that worldwide everybody's watching, and you are refusing to honor your country based on who is at the head of the helm. Thoughts? Uh, well, there's always that crowd that is the just shut up and play, that athletes are there to play a sport, not to be political spokespeople. I, I, I get that, um, but at the same token... These players have a platform, and some of them are going to take advantage of that. Yeah. But in this case, I think it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, You may disagree with some of the things that the president of your country says, or even some of his policies, but you don't spite your entire country because of what one person says or what his policies are. So I think that's pretty ridiculous, to be honest. I do, too. I, and look, if you want, you're there to represent the United uh, see, States of America. There you go. You're not there to represent Donald Trump. That, that will, yeah. And and look, if you want to do that for your league team, you know, whatever it is in the women's professional soccer organizations inside the United States, make a statement in the post game press sure. conference. But when you are representing, like you said, you are wearing USA on your uniform with the name on the back of the jersey. Remember, your name is on the back, not the front. The front says USA, and the flag bears your is on your chest. And when you go out there and publicly, you know, display this this disappointment in the country that you're playing for because of the leader is is so wrong. And it's so 
Um, and it's such a distraction. It really is. because, And you know what? The great thing about the 92 Dream Team is that even though every single eye, every single camera, every single film shot video, whatever they could get on them, you always saw them hands on the heart or, you know, and, and, and seeing the National Anthem when they won the medal, stuff like that. Like, I miss it, man. I miss when players forgot about that, hey, it's not about me, it's about USA. And and I and I honestly think we have dove into this whole entire genre where it's it's a selfish mentality and it's a sad thing that it's coming from the athletes themselves who everybody watches. Right. And, and they do it because they feel like they have a pulpit. And because they know the, and all, they the do eyes have a are pulpit, on them. But there's a time and a place and that's not the time and the place. Right. I totally agree with okay. that. Okay. Uh, and last thing too about this, I, I totally agree with equal access and equal opportunities for men and women's sports. But at the end of the day, you have to look at, are we, are we a communist society or are we a capitalist society? And what I mean by that is just because the, the men earn so X amount of dollars and play in these venues doesn't mean that the, the women's teams necessarily deserve that same level of pay. Yes, they deserve equal conditions. Yes, they deserve to be practicing and playing on the same field conditions as the men do. But to say we deserve uh, you know, equal TV time or equal dollar uh, uh, amounts, the, the market dictates that. And if, if people are interested and people want to consume that, they will, and you'll reap the benefits of that. But if, if the market's not there, where, where's the money to go? Where's the money to come from? So I, I appreciate what they're doing to try to raise more awareness because some of those conditions have not been good. And so they have brought some light on the fact that, look, the men get to practice on these types of fields and these types of conditions, and we're forced to come over in very subpar conditions. And we at least need to have an equal opportunity to excel at our sport. Yep. But when it comes to like pay and, and, and attention, that, look, go out there and win. Um, become some uh, an athlete that transcends your sport and uh, be seen on endorsement deals and on talk shows and all these other things. If, if people want to gobble it up, they will. They will. So uh, I hope that it's they're learning from some of this. Uh, I hope that they've they've made some steps that aren't great along the way. I hope they learn from it because there's a this is a great moment for soccer in the United States of America. The men's team has figured their stuff out. The women's team is playing great soccer right now. Both are playing at a high level and have an opportunity to do some pretty amazing things. So we'll see if they take advantage of the spotlight properly or if they mess it up for somebody else to come and clean up later. More importantly, uh, <laughs> if they lose to France on on Thursday, it's it's over for them. And there's no pulpit. I mean, you, you're one of the best teams, considered one of the best teams in women's soccer history coming out from this country, representing them, uh, you can't, if that's the case, you can't be losing in the quarterfinal. doesn't matter where you're at. All right, we got way off topic. Uh, we'll take a step aside real quick. When we come back, uh, we'll look at our pick six for the past weekend and the NBA award show is going on tonight. Who would we give our awards to? Who do we think is going to win? Coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. You know, certainly, as you said in Golden State, he can get the five years there. He can get four years anywhere else. Every offer that was out there for Kevin Durant prior to that injury, even with the knowledge that he is very unlikely to play next year, and you're paying him essentially as a $38 million red shirt, those offers are all still there. All the options, Brooklyn, New York, the Clippers, and the Warriors remain there for him. That's Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN saying that there there are offers for Kevin Durant for a sign-and-trade. That just seems really weird to be hearing those words coming out of my mouth. I know. The sign-and-trade Kevin Durant. It has been such a wacky... <laughs> since February, the NBA has just been, nuts, been huh? crazy. Yep. Uh, the award show is going to be tonight. We'll get into that in just a moment. Real quickly, want to run down our pick six from the weekend. Mm. So, way to kind of recap the other things that took place. Um, and uh, one of those was the College World Series. Uh, we talked a little bit about one of the matchups. Another one was Texas Tech. 
They went up against Michigan. <laughs> Michigan machine. Holy cow. They're just cruising through everybody. Yeah, they are. Uh, so one of the lines was Texas Tech's top three hitters combined hits set at five and a half. I took the under. You took the under. And those three hitters combined hits? One. <laughs> one hit between the three That of game them. was over by the third inning, by the way. That game was over. But how about what? The expectations really quickly on Matt Wells. So the basketball team goes to the Final Four. The Texas Tech team goes to the semifinal for baseball. All right, football. Yeah, football, you're up. Anything less than a bowl, uh, uh, a bowl win is going to be very, very, very disappointing. You got next. All right, er, speak, sticking with baseball, but to the major leagues, earned runs allowed by Justin Verlander. Oh, what? What was this, by the, the way? The line was set at one and a half, and it was four actually. Wow. Uh, we both took the over, so we were both right. So so far, we're both two for two. I'm going to skip the third one. We'll get back to that. Number yeah. four. Uh, staying with baseball, who will have more hits Friday through Sunday? Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout. And uh, Yelich, well, Cody Bellinger had two. Okay. Yelich had three. Trout had five. Dude, I knew it was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Gosh, Neither one of it. us picked him. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. By the way, how about the Dodgers right now? They got those rookies coming up. Oh. Back-to-back nights of walk-offs. And they are on I, fire. Good gosh. And they have been all year. Heavens gracious. It's it's the Dodgers and versus the field right now as far as who that's you decide a, that's to That's a pick. great way to put it, Eric. All right, to soccer, USA versus Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, uh, set the line at USA by two and a half. They actually won by six. Six nothing. Hello. Welcome I took to the soccer, under. Men's. You took the over. So now you're up three to two on me. And then the another one, NBA trades between Friday and Sunday. I took the under, you took the over. The line was set at four and a half. There were none. There were no trades. They were so busy with everything that happened at the draft that they cooled off and didn't do anything. Though there has been a trade today. That was the one where I was like, I think I'm going to lose this one. It wasn't very uh, significant. It was was cap neutral as far as I've uh, understood it. Mm. And then the last one on this list. Who will have the most, or what will be the combined strikeouts when Julio Teheran and John Lester take the mound, face off against each other? Turns out that game was actually tonight. tonight. Didn't happen over the weekend. I love drama. But the line is set at 12 and a half. So at this point, you and I are tied three and three. So we're waiting for tonight. But I'm taking the under, you're taking the over. So And what was the line? The line is set at 12 and a half. Oh, that might have been too high. So one of us gets treats this week. I'm afraid it'll be me. That Wait, you'll be buying treats. That you'll so, be owing me? Yes, I, I'm afraid I will be the one. Yeah, that 12 and a half, man, that's a tough line. Dang it. Hmm. All right, NBA awards show is tonight. Do you uh-huh. recall the NBA regular season? <laughs> Do you remember what happened? <laughs> it's a great question. Seems like it was so far ago yeah, it uh, when it, the season ended. Yeah, so this is the third season that they're doing this, third year in a row that they're doing this NBA awards show. It's after the regular season is done. It's after the playoffs are done. It's after the draft is done. Is it too far gone from the regular season? Yes. Is, yes. If, if you were, if your season ended yeah. in, what is it, mid-April, because you weren't a playoff team, You've been out doing whatever for the last two months. Hey, we need you to come back from uh, Cancun. You got to make it back for the awards show. I'm just gonna hang out here. If they if I get the award, let me know. I mean, I like the fact that there is an award show. Uh, I think it's a great way to to recognize and honor the players for what they did. But it just seems like so much time. Yeah, two months after, I agree with you on that. So there's a lot of different awards that are going to be handed out and. Uh, quickly run through what those awards are. Some of them voted on by the media, others by fans, others by players themselves. So there's the most valuable player, rookie of the year, sixth man, defensive player, most improved, coach of the year. Um, so those uh, voted on by the media is MVP, coach of the year, rookie, defensive player, sixth man, and most improved. Uh, other awards include the executive of the year. That's voted on by league executives. The Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year, that's voted on by the players. The NBA Sportsmanship Award, that's voted on by the players. And the NBA Cares Community Assist Award, that's voted on by fans and a panel of judges. There's also going to be a Lifetime Achievement Award and the NBA Hustle Award and the Sager Strong 
awards. So a lot of awards are going to be handed out tonight. Uh, there are a few jazz players on the list. Kyle Korver is on the Twyman Stokes Team of the Year Award list. Donovan Mitchell is on the NBA Carriage Community Assist Award list. Um, and uh, though, and then you've got certainly, most notably, Rudy Gobert as the Defensive Player of the Year finalist. Okay, so let's go, let's go through really quick. I want your predictions. Kia, NBA Most Valuable Player, between Giannis, Paul George, James Harden, you would say? Giannis. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take James Harden, rookie of the year between DeAndre Ayton of the or Ayton of the Phoenix Suns, Luka Doncic of Dallas Mavericks, and Trey Young of Atlanta. I'm gonna go Luka. I Me. thought he was more consistent. Absolutely, all year. I, I do too. Uh, sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell of the Clippers, and also Lou Williams of the Clippers, and then Demontis Sabonis. How about that? The kid from Gonzaga, uh, of the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think it's close between Montrell or Lou, which is funny because they're both on the on same, same team. team. I'm going to take Harold. I'm going to go with Lou. Actually. Okay, he's won it before, Fair. and he's just an outstanding player. Defensive Player of the Year, as you've already mentioned, Giannis, the freak, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. You're going to say? I'm going to say Rudy Gobert. I'm going to say Giannis. I, uh, I I'd love to see Rudy Gobert uh, be it. He'd be the tenth player in NBA history to win it multiple times, but I'm not sure if he gets it. Uh, NBA Most Improved, De'Aaron Fox. I love this kid, D'Angelo Russell, Pascal Siakam. I'm gonna to have to say D'Lo, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna take De'Aaron Fox. Crazy, we're not taking Siakam on that one. Coach of the year is Mike Budenholzer, Mike Malone, or Doc Rivers. Uh, I'd say Budenholzer. Yeah, not even close. Me neither. Uh, NBA Cares Community Assist Award has a lot of guys in it. Donovan Mitchell's one of them. I'm gonna hope Donovan w- wins it. That's all I'll say. Uh, the other guy too is a, a future Jazz man. is uh, is on that list. Oh, Mike, Mike Conley's Conley. on it. I didn't see that. He's Ooh. also on the teammate of the award uh, watch list. Uh, also, Finals. teammate. Yep, yep. Teammate of the year award also is Mike Conley. Kyle Korver's on that list. Mike Conley's also on the NBA Sportsmanship Award. Man, we got a gold, golden one, didn't we? Stephen Adams, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Horford, Chris Middleton, and Kemba Walker on that one. Lifetime Achievement Award is going to go to. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Yeah, they're going to share it. Usually it just goes to one person. But Why didn't that go to them earlier, like 10 years ago, 40 years ago? Uh, Sager Strong Award is Robin Roberts, who, by the way, does a terrific job. Yeah, she's uh, overcome some real health scares and come back. So NBA Basketball story. Executive of the Year is to be determined, as is the NBA Hustle Award. So interesting, the NBA Hustle Award. We don't know who the finalists are there, but this is given to the player with the highest aggregate hustle score each mm. year. So the hustle score... Is, is a calculation based on uh, players who played a minimum of 50 regular season games, okay. at least 15 minutes a game, and then five different hustle stats, including screen assists, deflections, loose balls recovered, charges drawn, and shot contests. So these aren't things that show up in a regular box score. So it's like near impossible for most NBA riders to try to figure out who it might go to. Yeah. But a lot of teams are doing these advanced stats. They have the information. Uh, so that'll be really interesting to see who comes up with the Hustle Award this year. Uh, of all of those that we just ran through, sure. is there one or two that really stand out to you the most that you're going to be, you think is going to be really intriguing? Or is, are there so many of these you think just Pretty much a foregone conclusion. No, 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 no. I, and that's a great question, Eric. I, I, I am intrigued by the NBA Rookie of the Year award because Trey Young had a pretty good year. Obviously, Defensive Player of the Year, Giannis versus Rudy. I think Paul George is a distant second versus me third. Um, and then the uh, NBA's uh, Most Improved Player of the Year. I mean, you look at what Piasco or Pascal Siakam has done over his time as. I mean, leading help lead his team to an NBA championship, but yet we didn't mention him as one of the winners. Uh, well, I was just going to say, how much would you have been talking about Pascal Siakam as a potential most improved player if you didn't watch the the NBA playoffs? Oh, that's a good. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, because for me, my lens is is colored slightly because of what I witnessed over the last two months, and and so I think, well, yeah, Pascal Siakam, man, he was great for the Raptors, but. How much did I really pay attention to him during the regular season? How much did I recognize what he was doing beforehand? So yeah. that's Russell, I was paying attention to him. I, I did see what he was doing. The Brooklyn Nets went from obscurity to a playoff team. So that I, I was already familiar with what Russell was doing, but I'll be honest, I, I wasn't paying attention to Pascal until the, the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I can understand why. Um but and and look, D'Angelo Russell was really good. Darren Fox was really good, just in a tough conference. 
Darren Fox was huge. He did. It, yes, he did. Uh, the, the the Kings are an up and coming program. Uh, although Willie Colley Stein's agent saying it's time for Willie Colley Stein to leave. He wants to change the oh, venue. Geez, yeah. He doesn't want to stay there anymore. Hey, l- let me ask you: How confident are you that Rudy Gobert will win Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, on a scale of one to ten. I mean, Giannis is, I mean, a very close nipping at his heel second, I would say. So I think Rudy will get it, but on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably say a 6. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Giannis wins it. I think it'll be a very it. tight race I do. I think Giannis two. wins it. Paul George, I don't even know why he's on the list, to be quite honest He had with a you. stretch for maybe eight weeks where he was playing really, really good basketball. Yeah. And he was part of the Defensive Player of the Year discussion. He was part of the MVP discussion. And then that he seems just like so long ago. Trailed off and just wasn't wasn't able to able to sustain it. Unbelievable. So, so I think that the way the reason why I would give it to Rudy is not only you look at the blocks and the defensive rebounds, but how he changes shot selection. Team players will will go into the lane and then they'll back out when he's there. I think certainly you look at Giannis with what he does as an on-the-ball defender, and uh, it's it's going to be an interesting discussion between that, and I think MVP will be a very interesting race between James Harden and Giannis. You said Giannis, right, for that? Yes. I did too, okay. So, uh, anyways, it's going to be tonight. It's going to be on TNT starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you're into it, I, you it, don't it care, used to be you? that it would slowly release the information, and it was like a press release is issued. Oh, oh, hey, Joe, you won this award. Cool. And it really kind of went under the radar. So I, I do appreciate that there is an award ceremony and they get to hype it and play the clips and the replays. And I will admit, those are those are fun. The the mixed reels are, are my highlight. Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow when it's all said I'm and done. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Yesterday, there was another incident of a fan being hit by a foul ball, this time at Dodger Stadium. The fan was sitting just past the protective netting on the first baseline. She was taken to the hospital for tests, but is reportedly okay. Fans being vulnerable to foul balls has always been an issue for baseball, but it's different now because we report on them in a different way. It's become a front-burner topic, and every incident is highlighted. Major League Baseball has said it won't extend netting down the whole baseline yet. Hopefully, the delay is logistical, and not because they're worried about high-priced seats. Anyone who's ever sat behind the netting knows it barely interferes with the game. It's one of the great things about baseball, how close the fans are to the game. Sometimes they're even part of the action. But it's time for a change. Fan safety has to come first. I just hope no one gets hurt before baseball takes the next big step. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.